Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Case Podcast. Uh, our today's guest is Birgitta Böckeler. Uh, she is a technical principal at ThoughtWorks, where she spends her time on software delivery teams with coding, architecting, coaching and consulting. Uh, at the O'Reilly Software Architecture Conference in Berlin in 2019, she gave a talk about cultivating architectural principles, which we will discuss today. Birgitta, welcome to the show. Yeah, hi, Sven. Thanks for having me. Um, what are architecture principles? So the best definition I've heard is by Owen Woods, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. <laughs> uh, he <laughs> says that an architecture principle is a declarative statement made with the intention of guiding architectural design decisions in order to achieve one or more qualities of a system. So if you break that down, so it's a statement and you're writing it down because you want to have guidance for your decision-making about the architecture and the design, and that guidance should help you achieve qualities of your system. So something like your architecture requirements, your cross-functional requirements, for example. And uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what would be an example? So an example could be, um, loose coupling, or we want to encapsulate our legacy, or it could be an agreement on what size a microservice should be in your context, in your organization, or it could be something It's in about, your head. <laughs> yeah, 50 year, for example, yeah. <laughs> uh, or, and, and then what, what does that mean fits into your head, right? There's uh, different interpretations mm. of that as well. Uh, or uh, something quite common is also... Um, guidance around how to use cloud, for example, uh, what level of uh, cloud vendor dependency is, uh, is acceptable or um, a principle like saying AWS first, which very clearly gives guidance on what the cloud strategy of the organization is. Hmm. So uh, besides a, a catchy title, um, how does a, such a principle look like? Yeah. A catchy title is definitely not enough because if you think about it, something like loose coupling uh, is, you know, you could say, oh, that's just like common sense, right? It's something, there's lots of principles out there in, in blog posts and just good practices, right? So just having the title uh, would probably not be enough to justify saying, okay, we need to write this down for our organization. So what's really important here is that you don't just have the title, but also have a description and you write down why this principle is important for you and what it means in, in practice on the teams. So the um, TOGAF uh, framework, which is like an open uh, framework uh, that describes how you could do enterprise architecture. It actually has a template for architecture principles that I find quite useful. And the template says you have a title, a description, and then you write down the rationale. So the why, which could, for example, be um, a description of your hypothesis, how this principle will help you achieve those architecture requirements you have. And uh, you should also write down, according to this template, the implications. So again, those are the things, what does this mean in practice? So if you don't add all those things, then it doesn't really help teams guide their decision-making, which is the ultimate goal of the principle. Hmm. Yeah, I think the, the link to Togaf uh, 
we will put it uh, in the show notes. But to give the, let's say, let, let's pick one, um, or can we pick one principle and, you know, fill, fill the template with a little uh, flash? So, you know, if we have AW, AWS first, what would be a brief description and rationale uh, for that, for the, for, for that principle? <laughs> Yeah, it's of course uh, hard to create something like this uh, on the fly, right? Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of words missing uh, involved in this. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, it's. Uh, I, I'm not. Uh, you know, we're not expecting a completeness yeah. or something. But just give a, give a little. You know, one or two simple sentences yeah, yeah. Uh, on that. Um, I mean, something like AWS first uh, would show, as I said, kind of the cloud strategy of the organization, right? You're saying. Uh, and in the rationale, you would describe uh, why, what, why you, why you decided to choose AWS, maybe over Google Cloud or um, Azure. Another one of those things that I don't know how to pronounce. Mm. <laughs> um, so, and the nice thing here is also that writing down this rationale really forces you to write down how you came to that decision, right? So it's kind of a, mm. in this case, a bit of a decision record as well. Um, okay. Architecture decision record. Yeah. 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 And um, if we think now in the rationale, if you think about the qualities of the system that you want to achieve with this principle, um, it might be something like uh, a faster time to market because you want to reuse the services that come out of the box in AWS. And then in the implications, um, Maybe it would say something like, this means that uh, whenever you need uh, a service, first consider if there's something suitable out there on AWS. And mm. only if you find there's nothing suitable, then fall back on other things we have in the organization. And only if that's not suitable, then fall back on something totally different. Kind of give teams a, a set of uh, questions to ask themselves to... Um, decide which service to use. Okay, okay. Um, so now we know what uh, how an architecture principle look like, but why do I need them? I mean, of course, we have architect. We want to distribute architectural uh, um, decisions, or we want to enforce uh, architectural qualities. But you know, you might be able to do that otherwise. So wh why should I choose architecture principles for that? Mm -hmm. So most often I would say they're used as a tool of governance. And that is also, I think, what where, where TOGAF places them. So as your IT organization grows, it will split into more and more teams so that you're able to scale. And as the number of those teams grows, you also need more decentralization because you can't have a central group anymore that knows enough to make good decisions for everything. So you need those teams to be as autonomous as possible because they are the ones close to the problem and they need some empowerment to make their own decisions. So it's that is kind of a necessity uh, as you scale to have those autonomous teams. But of course, it comes with its own challenges like risk of duplicate work, risk of needless variation. You need to coordinate all the dependencies between the teams and so on. And especially for that um, needless variation, 
you might want some kind of governance because full autonomy is basically a myth, right? So you, there always needs to be mm. something so that people are kind of going in a similar direction. Um, so organizations use principles to try and create some alignment between the teams. And so governance is the biggest motivation behind them, I think. But for me, um, I see them, I try to look at them more as a tool for change management and to use them for uh, learning between the teams to kind of make it easier for them to do the right thing for the, for the big picture, as opposed to their, uh, local problem. So, um, I mentioned before that a lot of these principles, um, like loose coupling is the best example for that. I think that they're just good practices that are out there anyway, right. That you might've learned at university or at a conference or in a blog post. But, um, if you choose a few of your own, then that can give you some focus to focus on a few areas that you want to improve in. So that's what I mean by change management. So um, for me, principles, architecture principles in an organization uh, shouldn't be a comprehensive list because then you'll just start writing down the whole internet again. But it should, mm. be, <laughs> it should be a few um, principles that help you decide what you want to focus on and improve in that moment in time. And maybe if you successfully uh, use them, then there's no need to highlight them anymore and you can scratch one of them. And then another reason for me, so focus is one uh, that I think is a reason why it might make sense. Another reason for me is to get more consensus um, on what they mean. Like we had that example of uh, how big is a microservice before, and there's lots of different opinions on this. And it might be valuable in your organization to get a common understanding of this, right? If you're uh, um, going all the way to having super small services and then the respective support for that in the infrastructure as well, or if you maybe want a different size of that. So because the more abstract these principles are, and you want them to be kind of abstract because you still want the teams to be autonomous. So the more abstract there are, the more different interpretations there will be. So just the process of creating these principles can be, um, have like a journey to get a common understanding and learn from each other, right? There will be people with different experiences mm -hmm. in the company. Um, and then you can come to a consensus on what these things mean for you. And finally, I think in the context of change management, principles in an organization can also help you get kind of an official blessing for some of the things you want to do. Um, good example for that, I think, is if you have something around uh, experimentation or failing fast, which is which has been all the rage for a few years, right? But there are some organizations where their company culture up until that point might not have been like that, where maybe people still feel like they might be punished if they experiment and then it doesn't work. So mm. you write down a principle around this and then the leadership in the company or the management actually says, yes, this is what we want you to do. Then it gives people more, um, more freedom maybe, uh, to really, um, to really do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Currently, I'm in a at a customer. They had a very conservative uh, delivery organization, and e just by saying you build it, you run it, 
basically every team really got the blessing to you know deploy and run their software on their own and even if you make uh, some mistakes you know obviously in the beginning if you're very inexperienced with that <laughs> so shit happens yeah um yeah it you know everyone kind of I mean, I say kind of because it's it was not perfect, but you know, people felt relatively safe to do mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, that's that's uh, that's true. Yeah, and also the principle might be an opportunity then for the organization to also acknowledge what that means for teams and what the support will be. Right when you have you mm. run it, you also have to think a lot about what your on call structure will be. Mm. And then, you know, that can be part of that, that people also see, you know, management didn't just say, oh, yeah, you build it, you run it, you go ahead, right? And uh, kind of offload everything and all the responsibility on them. But you can also show that you thought about the implications of that. Again, that's part of that template, right? And for example, then write down what, does, what that means for on call and what will be in place to support that and to compensate people and so on. Hmm. Possibly which problems will arise in the beginning, but will disappear, uh, you know, after a couple of weeks. Yeah. 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 So that people don't go too crazy if, if, if problems occur in the beginning, they just know this is kind of a normal thing and it will be better in two or three weeks. Yeah. And the implications can also contain things like what negative sides of this might come out right as we mm. know like everything we do in architecture there's a trade-off for everything right <laughs> so we could also think about uh what smells might come up that show us that this is not working that this is not actually helping us achieve those system qualities that we want to achieve mm. yeah also i think um e easy decisions are easy because there is no significant uh, downsides to the decision. But if you have um, if you have to make a decision where you know each each um, uh, each uh, option has a significant downside. So you have if you choose one, of course, you, yeah, you have this downside, and you know then people start complaining about it. But it's good to have this decision record principle, which says, okay, you know. We know this, but mm. it's still the best uh, solution. It's still a trade-off oh. that we accept, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mentioned the word hypothesis before. I think like for me also a principle is kind of uh, in the beginning, especially it's a hypothesis for us that we think that if we do this, we will achieve this system quality, right? With a loose coupling, usually that's a, a bet or a hypothesis that's very well supported by a lot of experience in the industry that if you have loose coupling, then uh, hopefully you will be able to move faster. But, you, you know, if you end up realizing that it's actually going too far, too far and you are actually not going faster or the evolvability of your architecture doesn't increase, then maybe you haven't chosen the appropriate level of coupling, right? Hmm. Ah, okay, so for for each principle, I need some sort of measurement if uh, yeah if it pays off, so to speak. Yeah, if you so um, if we go back to that uh, definition that I quoted in the beginning, that um, a principle is made with the intention of guiding decisions in order to achieve qualities of a system, then it's always kind of a bet on you know ultimately we want to achieve something else. We're not doing this to 
for the sake of loose coupling, right? We're doing this to achieve evolvability or, you know, maintainability mm. stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. and I think that's always important to write that down that we don't forget that we're not just doing this for the sake of, <laughs> you know, following the canon or, you know, cargo culture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, if yeah. you have people with different different experience levels in the company, if you have, for example, a lot of people who don't have that much experience yet, there's a much higher risk that they are prone to this cargo culting, right? Because they've heard, this is how you do it. So I'll just build a super small microservices all over the place. So especially for those people, it's important if you have these more experienced owners of these principles who also try to share some of their experience and previous learnings from their careers with, uh, with everybody and remind them of what the ultimate goal of this is. Hmm. Yeah, and that's the, the fact in almost every organization that you have different experience levels. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one thing you, you, you said um, that also the principle is a way of uh, learning together. So there is someone who thinks about this principle and then there are teams who might not really understand the principles. Maybe some do, others don't. Um, if you have, let's say, five or ten teams, how do you distribute uh, such a principle and how do you make sure that, th that it's properly understood? Mm. So how is this feedback, a distribution and feedback mechanism working? Mm. Um, in terms of the distribution, again, the first step is that you don't just have the titles, but you have a bit more information available when people look it up. Um, a, a recognizable visual is also sometimes helpful. There's uh, one way to structure principles is this uh, form of having um, kind of uh, three columns. Uh, so you kind of, in one column, you write down the, the business goals of the organization. In the second one, you write your principles. And in the third one, you have a list of practices so that actually bring the principles to life. And uh, so that kind of Uh, neatly ties it all together as in your business goals kind of show you again some of the rationale why you're doing this and the practices bring it more to life and the principles are in the middle. If you have these three columns and maybe make like a nice neat uh, uh, um, table view out of it and design it a little bit and then you put it up around the uh, spaces in the organization. If you're co-located of course it doesn't work if uh, everybody's remote unfortunately. I haven't thought uh, so much about how to do it there but uh, yeah a recognizable visual um, I think helps and everybody knows ah there's this thing right so ideally it leads to when people are taking decisions that they're like ah wasn't there you know I saw this thing flying around those three columns that are supposed to help me with this and then you go and maybe look things up um, if you have something like an engineering town hall maybe Uh, you could also try and find ways to bring them, you know, to remind people of these things. Uh, for example, um, if you know about things happening in teams that are, that can be related back to the principles, um, you could point out examples every now and then like success stories or also things where people uh, tried something and it didn't work. Um, And then, of course, if you if you have a role, something like a 
chief architect or, you know, a, a head of technology, like maybe there's a role in the leadership of the organization that feels like they're the, the owner of these principles. Uh, it's, uh, also sometimes worth maybe going around the teams and having, uh, sessions with them about this and including explaining to them why you're having the principles in the first place. So all the reasons I mentioned before, why mm -hmm. I'm useful, maybe in your case, uh, change management is your most important one. And, uh, then you explain, you know, that this is not a comprehensive list, but this is what you want to focus on as a group of teams at the moment. And then if people understand why they're there and that they're not there to control them and to check and, and, you know, somebody's not going to come by and ask, so this principle, how have you implemented it? And if you haven't done this, why have you not done this? You know, if they know that that is not what they are for, but that they are for, uh, sharing knowledge and for uh helping them then it will they will be much more open to um considering how this will help them hmm. yeah that's a good good point i mean very often it's it's a fine line between uh yeah saying here is some guidance and then at the same time making it happen that the guidance is used correctly but teams are not feeling they're controlled or something yeah because yeah, then they yeah. immediately move into like a defensive uh, position yeah like almost mm. like use, doing some user research right like let's say you're the owner of the principles uh as like either there's like as i said a single role or a single person that feels responsible for them or maybe there's a guild who feels as a group uh, an architecture guild who as a group feels responsible for them then the Those, the people on those autonomous teams, they are the users of the principles, right? So maybe every now and then you can do a bit of user research, like, was this helpful for you? Or how do you consume them? Do you even know that they're there? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, we, we made, we made uh, both experience, you know, the good and the bad um, when it comes to going to, to teams. And so we are a very distributed team. And so we visit, we visit teams and uh, basically explain what we try to achieve. Mm. And, um, but also show the, um, we show, yeah, we, we are not perfect. You know, that's what, what we think based on our limited view because you know if there are many teams you're not in the details of uh, everyone this is what, what what we think we should do yeah? and that's how that's how you can do it and then if you but what do you think about it you know do you think that works for you and if you have this um let's say if you have this communication style and this behavior usually or we made good experience that people say oh you know it's that's you know people try to achieve something and they want to work with us And we have other examples where people show up and say, you know, here are the requirements. This is what you have to do. You know, we come, we make a status uh, meeting every now and then, and then you mm -hmm. have to prove that, you know, you, you made it right. Yeah. That, uh, that didn't, uh, obviously that didn't work. Yeah. So, yeah, I think one of the key questions to ask is, does this help you make decisions? Again, if you go back to the de definition, like this should be a tool for guiding decision-making. And so if it, if teams are taking decisions and they're not looking at this or they don't think like it's helping them, then, um, 
it's not yet helpful, right? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, seeing that teams are your you you the people who create those principles, they're kind of a service organization to the to the teams. So I, mm -hmm. I, I, I think this service organization, I think I learned it from someone from Google that if, if you want to do something at Google, um, you have to be this uh, service organization and you have to prove that, you know, what you're doing is valuable to development teams, yeah. whatever you, you know, offer. Yeah. And uh, for architecture principles, that's similar, I, I think, yeah. you know, it's... And then sometimes you, <laughs> you have to acknowledge that one of them maybe is not useful and you have to scratch it, right? And that mm. for us as human beings, it's very hard. We might have developed some relationship to this particular principle, right? <laughs> Because we've written all these sentences and we thought, you know, this was a really good idea. But then we have to acknowledge to ourselves, no, this doesn't help the team. So maybe it's not, maybe it's not worth it or I have to change it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it's hard to uh, let go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so I, 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 I said the the we are a service organization to teams, but you know who are we? So, who creates those principles? So, I think you already mentioned like a, a, a technical leader of an organization. Mm -hmm. Is it an, an, a chief architect? Is it a group of people? Mm -hmm. So definitely, I would say it shouldn't be one person by themselves. Um, because that's for something this important, that's probably never a good idea, right? You should always involve more than more people than just uh, yourself. And yeah, depending on the size of the organization, it could be you might have a role that feels responsible for this, like uh, the CTO or a chief architect or a head of technology. Um, or you might have a guild where as a group you might create them. I think it's also at some point really valuable to include business or product people um, because they are doing a lot of the prioritization in the backlogs of teams, right? And mm. also a very common problem that uh, developers on teams complain that they don't get enough time for Uh, removing technical debt or working on things that quote unquote just improve the architecture and might not have direct uh, obvious impact on what the users are seeing. So if you include um, product people in this, uh, I think you get multiple things from that. One is that you really have to Uh, make sure that you can explain the value of this to them, which if you cannot do that, then maybe uh, you haven't understood it enough yourself or, you know, there's still something, um, mm. something missing there. Because again, your mm. ultimate goal is that the architecture serves the business and not, you know, that it, it wins a beauty prize at a conference. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then if you have them on board, it also becomes easier for teams to uh, talk to each other, like developers and product side about priorities and why something is important um, that might be more on the technical side than uh, a user-facing feature. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's really difficult. We had a few, in one of our episodes, we had Philippe Kruchten, so, you know, one of the, 
the old big people of software architecture and he was also like ah yeah you know explaining the value of software architecture uh, that's always difficult but but you have to right mm. so he also so the, the the episode was about technical debt and he said you the, the only way to get your now in, in most organizations the only way to get your technical debt paid back is create an item put it in the backlog and try to convince or you have to be able to explain to a product owner for example why this is important yeah. you know why you know if if we don't do that then the following happens so yeah. th there must be some business motivation the business needs to understand why they why why they have to pay money to do that and yeah i think for principles it's the same it if you can't explain it then you maybe you shouldn't do it i mean there are always exceptions but in general i think it's uh, yeah there, there will be someone who's asking why are people stealing time to build uh, you know they're stealing time for playing around with technology or you know and not implementing features so you you really have to 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 bring business people on board yeah, and, I, i think so and i also think that as developers we there are a lot of situations where we tend to play around or optimize technology that maybe it isn't the highest priority in that moment you know and involving product people more and really being forced to discuss it with them and make them understand might actually make us realize oh this is actually really not that important right now a really great example of that i think is security it's something that uh we're all as let's say non-security expert developers kind of insecure about it as well maybe and uh, so there's so many things that could be secured and then sometimes we just like run at this one thing and make it really secure and you know we just throw <laughs> the word security out there and the product owner gets scared and says yeah okay do it right but if you do something like threat modeling not by yourself as developers but you actually involve the product people because they that's an integral part of threat modeling where you go through what are actually the Uh, the potential attacks that could happen and which of our assets could be compromised by it, which of our data stores, for example. And then you think about how probable is this and what would actually be the damage to the business. And this is something that the product people can usually uh, evaluate a lot better than us as developers, right? And then involve hmm. them in that and really evaluate all those uh, uh, probabilities and so on that helps us as a group to feel a lot less anxious about this and really do better prioritization for the big picture, right? Not just for that one security loophole that I happen to know a lot about. So I try to fix it. Hmm. Yeah. Or because, you know, I always wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, especially security, it's, it's, it's a hole where you can throw in, uh, a lot of money yeah. by scaring people <laughs> yeah um we we had the the discussion on getting started with principles so what's it, it obviously takes time to distribute a principle to um explain it to all kinds of teams if you have 10 teams you basically have a lot of work And so you cannot just start with 10 principles at a time because then everyone goes crazy because the whole world is only 
about principles. So how do I how do I prioritize principles? Mm -hmm. And and what's what's a good yeah, a good size of principles to get started with? Yeah, not only to get started with, but maybe for for a longer time as well. I would almost yeah, I almost wonder if 10 principles, even if you start with less and then extend it to 10, might even be too much. Like from, because as I said, that's my personal attitude towards principles that I see them as this change management uh, tool. And for that, you don't want to have 10 things that you focus on at the same time, right? Uh, it's usually less. So my gut tells me that maybe three to five are a good number to get started with, of course, then maybe, yeah, at some point you feel like, oh, this was useful. Let's extend it to more. But then I would maybe consider throwing some of the older ones out. Um, mm -hmm. So if you take that attitude towards principles with this, uh, that it's for change management, like I said, others might think of it more as this governance thing, and then they might want more of these things and they might want a more comprehensive list. Um, yeah. And then, so how do you prioritize them? Um, so the first thing to have in mind uh, would be what, yeah, what are the ultimate goals of my principles? Again, the the system qualities that I ultimately want to improve, and uh, for that, ideally, you know what your business or organization's goals are, and you know what your architecture requirements are, or um, maybe a better term for architecture requirements would be cross-functional requirements. Um, so you, for example, have already thought about what uh, in the area of security and compliance does your architecture need to fulfill uh, performance or availability. So if you've already defined those things and this exercise might actually force you to do that because then you have to think about what your ultimate goals are, then that can help you figure out what you need to focus on because you might realize the areas in which you are not fulfilling those requirements yet. And then you can come up with uh, um, focus areas that will help you improve that. Um, another way to think about prioritization or to get started with prioritization is um, if you maybe start with kind of like a retrospective on how your software delivery is going at the moment. And you... Um, Think about what is going well, what is not going so well. So you come up with your strengths and your weaknesses. And then based on that, you can uh, evaluate what is a higher priority to um, uh, get rid of one of the weaknesses, for example. Hmm. And what do you not have to focus on because you're already uh, really good at continuous delivery, for example. Yeah, that's always, I, I think that's, it hurts a little bit. So, um, you know, if, if, if your personal, let's say favorite is continuous delivery and this works well and other areas don't work well. And then you have to say, okay, you know, we give up on getting even better at it and, you know, move to <laughs> something I'm not really interested in, but we really yeah. have to do it. That's also something of letting go, uh, yeah. And yeah, it might not mean that you d totally give up on getting better at something that you're already good at, right? It might just mean that you don't put as much focus on it. So if you have uh, two ideas and, uh, you know, 
One of them is a way to make one of your focus areas better. And one of them is to do like a, yet another tweak in the way you do continuous delivery. Then maybe you spend time on the other thing, right? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's also how, how we how we do it. I mean, it's I think, you know, different people are interested in or, or, or lead different uh, cross-cutting concerns. And, you know, if if your let's say your cross-cutting concern actually works quite well already and then take back and say you know the 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 time teams spend on architectural qualities uh, should now be in another area because my area quote unquote uh, mm. already works reasonably well so you know we we need to give other people uh, the opportunity to improve their uh, concerns yeah. And one way to make that easier, um, let's take the example of performance, right? Let's say you have certain, uh, you have like a public facing website and you have uh, certain uh, requirements for your um, performance of that website. And uh, it might make people anxious if you say, okay, this is not our main focus at the moment, right? Because maybe it's good at the moment, but every day people are pushing new code, right? So mm. maybe like anybody across like five autonomous teams who somehow can affect that website's performance might push something today that makes it worse, right? But uh, then if bef before you say, okay, this is not our main focus right now, uh, you should at least make sure that you have uh, something in place that measures your performance regularly, right? So you mm. can actually yeah. see if yeah. the changes all of those teams make to the architecture and to the code have a negative effect on it. And then when you know you have those uh, measures in place and you actually get an alert that tells you that this is going down, then um, yeah, maybe it's kind of institutionalized that way, right? This performance principle, you don't have to write it down separately because you have all these things in place that make it part of your rituals and uh, it happens anyway. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good example because th that's exactly the example we have uh, <laughs> that we say, okay, we, we, for performance, for example, um, you know, you could all do all kinds of things, uh, automated performance test in your continuous delivery pipeline or, you know, nightly, whatever, mm. but maybe it's just enough to, let's say, have a service level objective on performance and have an alerting on it and just, you know, a run book if an alert goes off yeah. and that's it. And then people basically, yeah, know what to do. Okay. Um, what, is there some sort of um, life cycle of a principle? So can principles be retired or get yeah i mean we all already said that uh, we can a principle can have a higher priority in the beginning but once it works we just uh, lower the priority but all, do we also retire principles and say we don't do this anymore or yeah so that's an idea that i have in my head but i've actually never seen it happen yeah but that is something that i um I would imagine that uh, if you, um, again, in this uh, um, goal of principles for, for change management, at some point, maybe you can say, ah, this is successfully institutionalized now. 
we don't need it anymore. Or your architecture requirements might have changed, your uh, business might have changed, and you might not need it anymore, right? Or the details change. So um, maybe, as you know, I'm a, I'm a consultant as well, and uh, I usually stay with an organization 12 to 18 months, and uh, I've I've never seen one retired. So, um, but that hmm. that is kind of like. Uh, um, a nice success criteria that I would have in my head about a principle. Like it, it was a success <laughs> if you feel like you don't need it anymore. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it became normal. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone is looking at you if you don't do it. Yeah. And then throughout the life of a principle, um, I would say that, you know, if you have those details, like the rationale and the implications, I would also say you have to have an eye on maybe updating those implications, right? With maybe more uh, guidance or more examples that happened over time so that you kind of have this little history or this organizational learning for each of them. And when new people come in, they can see what happened with this over time. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, last question from my side. Is this for everyone? So if I have a, if we have multiple teams, uh, a large organization, I mean, it doesn't have to be large, but let's say minimum 20, 30 developers. If I have 100 developers, it's, you know, it's mandatory to have that. But do I also need principles if I just have a 10 person team, which sits in one room? Yeah, good question. Um, I think it could also help uh, for, especially for that um, a benefit I talked about around consensus. So, um, a kind of getting on the same page about what is meant by a microservice or mm. what is meant by loose coupling. Of course, I don't know if you have to write down principles for that. You can maybe have those discussions in a different way. But if you have those discussions in some way, it's sometimes useful to write down what your conclusions were. Um, sometimes you can notice that this is missing if you feel like you're having the same conversation on the team over and over again. Like every time you have to like make certain decisions, let's say you start a new service and you talk about what it's going to look like and you feel like deja vu all the time, like, haven't we discussed this before? <laughs> then sometimes it helps if some of those, if you can bring it back to some of the, yeah, to some basic principles that it feels like you have to figure out again and again, um, mm. then that might be a sign that it's worth writing some of those things down. And if you call them principles or <laughs> something else, that's, that's a different story, but yeah. it might be a good label for it, yeah. Mm. Okay, okay. All right, so then, uh, Birgitta, thank you for your time. I really enjoyed the conversation. Me too, thank you. And um, yeah, goodbye. Bye.